High Vibe Nation is live. Welcome to the High Vibe Nation, where we have set out to raise the vibration of every human being on the planet. Your hosts on this journey are Sherry Gideons and Pamela Aubrey. So let's join them now in their current interview with a high vibing individual. Hello and welcome to the High Vibe Nation, the number one positive media show focused on raising the vibe of the planet, a space for you to remember the power within you. I'm your host, Sherry Gideons, and this is my co-host, Pamela Aubrey. Welcome, everyone, and welcome to our very special guest, Dr. Jeffrey Fannin if I can say that, holds a PhD in psychology, an MBA, and a Bachelor of Science degree in mass communications. He is the founder and executive director for Thought Genius, LLC. He has worked in the neuroscience field, mapping and analyzing the brain for over 25 years. Dr. Fannin is a certified heart math trainer, also certified in stress and well-being. Over the years, Dr. Fannin has been involved in cutting-edge research and he has created effective brain mapping and brain training programs, and will be sharing more with us about these resources this evening. So welcome to the show, Dr. Fannin. Uh, hi, thanks, Pamela. I appreciate that invitation and that wonderful uh, introduction there. So it's a I pleasure to be here with you. <laughs> so great to have you with us. Yeah, thanks. So as you know, on this show, we like to talk about being high vibe. So tell us what it means to you to be high vibe. Well, you know, I've lived with vibrations for such a long time. And, uh, you know, there are different ranges of vibration. And so some days I'm high-fiving, you know, high-vibing, uh, you know, real high. And other days, you know, where it's very uh, different, where I'm, you know, we all have different emotions, different feelings and things that are going on. And uh, for me, high-vibe is, you know, how well are you managing your vibrations? And uh, then also your awareness are you aware of where you're actually at in those vibrations or are we just tuned in to uh, whatever's going on or whatever chaos is happening in our life kind of thing. So I, I enjoy it much better when I'm on the high vibe, you know, so I like to be there. Absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. That's totally awesome. So Jeffrey, tell us a little bit about who you are and let's talk about your new book. Actually, wait a minute. You have two volumes that have come out at once. So right. tell us also, how do you end up releasing two volumes at once? Well, it actually was quite by accident. So uh, <clears throat> when I was, uh, you know, I've been traveling around the world and doing a lot of things and did over 4,000 brain maps on meditators and talking to them about how they can meditate better and do this and do that and worked with a number of uh, individuals out there that are pretty high profile. If I started mentioning a bunch of their names, you would know them. And so it's very interesting for me as I went on this journey and I started writing those books back in 2008. And as I would travel around and engage with people and we'll, we'll talk about some of the elements of the book here, but as I did that and accumulated page after page and then uh, uh, somebody kind of urged me to uh, uh, dig it out of my files and uh, get it published. You know, it's one of these things when you're writing a book, and maybe you guys understand this since you've done that, that it's never quite right, you know. But at some point, you have to put the pen down and and just go for it. And so I, I pulled it out, and, and we were looking at the publishing and all of that. 
And so then it was like 520 pages of stuff. It's like, oh my gosh, that's that's too big, you know. And so uh, we broke it into two volumes. And uh, the first volume deals more with some of the uh, the natural laws and the universal laws. And then the second part is, you know, uh, different experiences and things that we had uh, in bringing that to light. Wow. And so tell us a little bit more about what's in the books. Well, that depends on which volume you're looking at. Volume one, you know, we talk thing about uh, issues like uh, we're vibrational beings uh, you know, living in a vibrational universe. And a lot of people may not understand the words, but what does that really mean that we are vibrational beings? And so when you start to look at the quantum physics of things like that, that we are vibrational beings, that everything, all matter has a vibration. So when we're talking about uh, things on the spiritual side or just the uh, vibration itself, and if anybody's ever seen the uh, double slit experiment, it talks about the difference between, you know, the uh, the vibration itself, and then through the observer effect, uh, it be able we're able to see that it deals with particle matter. And so, what I tell a lot of people uh, and kind of demonstrate the physics of this: if we have a thought, whether it's a wanted thought or an unwanted thought, it doesn't matter, but it has a particular vibration. And if you hold that vibration, that thought, wanted or unwanted for 17 seconds, then other energy that is vibrating like it will be attracted to it. Now, what happens when those things come together? Uh, it creates this thing called the constructive interference pattern. And so the energy in each of those vibrations comes together and uh, creates this constructive interference pattern. Now, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. It means that it's taking the energy from wave A and wave B, combining them, so instead of one and one, now you have the energy of two. And so you hold more of those vibrations, you know, to attract the same type vibration, you know, three, four, five. Once you pass 68 seconds, science tells us that what happens is it creates enough energy that now it can affect particle matter. That's how we create our own reality. So we are vibrational beings living in a vibrational universe. And it's more an issue of how are you vibration, uh, managing your vibrations at any given moment? And so the, the other part of the equation here deals with if you have a wanted thought and then an unwanted thought. Well, what they're going to do is they're going to cancel each other out. So instead of one and one getting the energy of two, now it's going to be plus one and minus one, and it's going to cancel each other out. So now you're putting resistance into the field and pushing back the very thing you're trying to attract. Wow, that is so interesting. So it's interesting that somehow we, humanity, are all bound together. So how does that actually work? Yeah, uh, that was a hard pill for me to swallow, you know, and so uh, uh, many years ago, as I was, uh, you know, traveling around the world and doing some things, and I actually had um, um, was in Montreal, and I was speaking at a conference in Montreal, and uh, you know, Nassim Harriman was also there. Well, I followed Nassim Harriman, and he he's a world class physicist, 
and uh, has a movie out and, and it's about how we are all connected. So from the science side, he was able to explain to people how we are all connected. And that's one of the things, you know, that uh, we were talking, you know, before the show about our vibrations and with coherence. And one of the things that happens when we look at the energy field around us, and, and so uh, you can liken it to a cell phone. A cell phone is going to have a field around the cell phone. And in that field is going to be the text message, the email, the conversation, whatever it is. And that field is going to connect to the cell tower, you know, and so those two fields connect together. We as human beings and all matter on this planet have an energy field, a particular vibration. So when we get in the proximity of someone else, our field is going to interact with their field. And, uh, and I was kind of uh, showing this to Sherry when she was here getting her brain map uh, of how when I would walk behind her, my energy field would act with her energy field. And then the waves on the screen would go all over the place yeah. until they become uh, coherent again. So uh, in, the, in the aspect of that, when we walk into a room, we can tell whether somebody is happy, whether they're sad, whether they're upset, whatever that is. And that's part of our intuition. But we come together in that we are all connected. So if, if we come into a room full of people, we are going to be attracted to the people that are most like the vibration that we're giving off. Does that make sense? Yes. Absolutely. Fascinating. Well, and, yeah. and along so, with that, go ahead. Uh, I, I was just going to say that, you know, if you're giving off a negative vibration or uh, maybe you have, uh, you're needing something and your needs are not being met, you're going to be attracted to the person who is most like you. Not the one that's going to help you, but the one that is most like you. And so uh, oftentimes we will get engaged in a relationship with somebody and maybe they're not the best person for us. And, you know, down the road, we find out that our vibrations, they don't match at all. And so mm -hmm. the more there is a disparity between your vibration and somebody else's vibration, the less and less you want to be around them. So that's when we look at, we like to be around like-minded people because they're vibrating at the same rate. So fascinating. And so along those same lines, then do we have the same kind of connections with people who are distant from us, but that we know well, and how does that play out in the collective? Yeah, well, that, that's very interesting because in, in uh, volume two of the books, uh, and I'll kind of wander a little bit astray from your question here, but uh, when we were traveling around the world, and this happened many times in many countries, with different audiences. So as we were traveling around, we'd have a bank of computers back in the back of the room and be doing about eight people. So it was not uncommon in one of these five day events for us to do 350 or 400 brain maps, you know, on people and then have to talk to them about this. But uh, when the energy in the room and we would have some scientific equipment that we could measure uh, the energy. So when, in 2015, when I was doing uh, work on energy healing and how that works, we had this device. It's called a Sputnik. It's like, you know, six inches tall, 
looks like a marble with spikes on it. And we can measure the conductance of the energy at any given time. So we, in that particular study, we could look at the vibrations from the person who was a giver and also the person receiver and looking at the energy. So in this other situation, we would look at the rise in energy each day in the rooms and be able to tell. And so what happens when uh, we look at string theory? Now, I'm going to get a little bit deep for the moment, but I will come back to answer the question. In string theory, we understand in the physics of that, there are uh, really 12 different uh, realms that are available. Now, what happens is the vibration of those realms. So the vibration may be very high. And as our vibrations would rise up, and then they could only come down so far. And when the distance got right, then there could be an interaction between things. So what do I mean by that? So here we have this bank of uh, uh, computers, and we are uh, brain mapping people as we're doing this. And you know how when somebody walks up behind you, you can tell somebody's behind you? Well, I would have that feeling, and other people on my team would have that feeling. And I'd turn around and look, and there would be nobody there. Mm. Now, that's not the spooky part of it. The spooky <laughs> part of it is that we had this feeling that there were entities in the back of the room, maybe 15 or 20 feet behind us, and they were taking turns coming up and standing over our shoulders and looking at what we were recording. Mm. So this wasn't just a weird event. It's mm. that as the energy in the room rose up high enough that these entities were able to interact with us. Afterwards, wow. we had people who were saying they saw giant beings in the room, you know, things like that. And this happened multiple times in multiple countries with different audiences. So how do you explain that? So if you go back to the whole quantum physics point of view and look that we are all entangled, you know, and so we are all together. So not just here on a physical plane where, you know, if I get in your presence and you're in my presence, then we are vibrating and there's an interaction, a communication that's going on there. But that also extends to higher vibrations, you know, in other spheres. I know that's a little hard to wrap your mind around. And I, if somebody had just told me this story, I wouldn't have believed it. But having lived it and wrote about it in the books, because it actually happened that way. Wow. It's so interesting. And we hear story. I mean, there's been stories of this all through history, right? right. I mean, recorded stories of this happening to people. But now we're actually able to measure that in some way. Yeah, well, actually, uh, what I think is a really... A uh, good way to look at that is how is your tuner? So let's take, for example, that the average person, their tuner or their brain, if you will, is uh, zero to 60 hertz. That's kind of the common thing that we look at. Now, does that mean that the, uh, the broadcast isn't happening? So if you go up to 100 hertz or 200 hertz or higher, it doesn't mean that the broadcast isn't happening. It just means your tuner is not tuned well enough or developed enough in order to receive that. So one of the things that I talk about in the book is um, uh, when we look at the thalamus of the brain, that's where is our most creative element and where our subconscious beliefs live and things like that. And so out of the top of the thalamus, it's like an almond shape. So at the top of the thalamus, there are uh, 
these things called the uh, reticular cells. And the function of a reticular cell is to bind one organ to another. In this case, the top of the thalamus, and it binds these axonal columnar cells that goes from our subconscious up into our conscious or our thinking part of our brain and comes out right here where the soft spot on a baby's head is. Mm -hmm. It's like an antenna. So if I have a thought, uh, a feeling, uh, a prayer, however you want to look at it, so I'm thinking about something that has a particular vibration. When that vibration uh, can go up through the thalamic gate and go into our conscious brain and come out here, now it's into the field. So it's vibrating into the field. There's this interaction like I was talking about with a cell phone. So when the field broadcasts something, it's going to come down through the thalamic gate into my thalamus. And now it's going to distribute that energy and information from cell to cell to cell. And so our cells have to be coherent in order to receive the energy and the information. Now, it's kind of like tuning to a station. So uh, when I've worked with medical intuitives in the past, they say, well, it, I can sort of hear the message coming through, but not quite. And it's usually because it's like static. So you're tuning it to the station, but you're not quite on the station. So you can sort of hear the music and sort of not hear the music. So you get rid of the static. Now the message comes through clear. The same thing happens with different paradigms, with different individuals. You know, how developed is your tuner? So that's what we work on is clearing up the static and helping people create a tuner so they can go not at 60 hertz, but go to 100 hertz, 200 hertz and higher. And that's what we talk about, state higher states of consciousness. I love that. I love that. And you use a reference in the book about um, one of your chapters is help my thoughts are holding me hostage. So based on what you've been sharing with us, is that really the case? And why does everybody have intuition or do only certain people have intuition? Well, everybody has intuition. It, the, the real question is, are you paying attention to what mm -hmm. you're hearing? You know, it's kind of like you look outside and, and it, it's a fairly clear day and you think, maybe I should take an umbrella. Your intuition says, take an umbrella. And so you go, no, nah, it's not going to rain. Later, it rains and you're freezing and you don't have an umbrella. And you go, ah, you know, I should have paid attention. So are we paying attention to our intuition uh, in, in dealing with those kinds of things? So everybody has intuition. The issue is you may have so much static that's going on, you're not paying any attention to it. And so we measure that, you know, in the chakra fields. What is, what is your crown chakra? You know, is that energy coming through? Is the information coming through? or you tuned into the chaos or the distractions around you. And those are the things that are holding your thoughts hostage is, is the chaos. We get tuned in to chaos or distractions or, you know, those things that come in on a computer and it's pulling your attention away. And every time it does that, you're actually training your brain to be distracted. And so then distraction is what becomes comfortable for you. And so you're always just getting yourself distracted or thinking of different things that you can do, you know, because that's what feels normal. That's what feels comfortable. It, it, it's kind of like if I said, okay, fold your arms, and you fold your arms a particular way, and then I said, okay, fold them the opposite direction. Let me ask you a question, which way is right? The way that feels well, comfortable. <laughs> yeah, well, that's exactly right, Sherry. 
it's whatever is comfortable because you've developed the neural pathways that that's what is familiar to you. So the real question is, where do you want to be? You know, one of the uh, the things that the projects that I'm working on is a group called Vibra Vision, B-I-B-R-A-V-I-S-I-O-N. So these are people who can put bandages over their eyes, put a blindfold on top of that. They can drive go-karts. You can drop colored beanbags in their hand and they can't see it. They can tell you what color they are as fast as they can do that. They can read from a book, you know, with their eyes covered. Uh, they can do all of these things. So for the last two years, we've been measuring the brains of those people who can do that because it's a higher state of consciousness. You know, I have people that I've been working with that actually have no eyeballs and could do this. Wow. You know, so wow. explain that, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's so interesting because once upon a time, I was a massage therapist. And one of the things that I found out relatively quickly was that Uh, It was like I would get information from someone else's body as to what I needed to do. And I always wondered how, you know, how does that transfer take place and how, and I always felt like I was sort of almost in a meditative state when I was doing the work. So how do we start to tune out the static and move into that space, you know, more consistently? Well, one of the ways is, first of all, is meditation, being able to meditate. And so having traveled around the world and done 4,000 brain maps on people, the one thing I learned is most people have no clue how to meditate, you know? And so it's learning how to quiet your mind, how to do those kinds of things. So I'll offer a little tip to people who are uh, watching here. And that is, you know, uh, you don't have to have a mantra in order to do that. Guided meditation is really just relaxation. So what you need to do is find something to focus on. So it can be your breathing, breathing in and out. Or here in my office, I have a massage chair. And above my massage chair is a clock. It's kind of like the clock behind you there, Pam. And, and I hear the tick-tock of the clock. And so I will focus on the ticking of the clock, which allows me to go deeper and quiet my mind as I do that. And then the key is shut up and pay attention. You know, what is the message is coming through? You can put a question out there, you know, today I would like to know more about this or that, or, you know, I'm dealing with this issue or that issue. You know, what is it I can do? And you'll very often be led to where you need to go. You don't have to meditate for several hours to make that work. Uh, 15 or 20 minutes is usually enough for most people if they are accustomed to what feels familiar, you know, in being able to do that and do it consistently and having a methodology of what you can do in order to meditate better. So the meditation will help you clear your mind and clear the static out of there. Wow, that's awesome. So you talk about universal laws and how suggesting that they affect every one of us all the time, every day, whether we're conscious or unconscious of it. What is a universal law and how do they affect all of us? Well, one of the easiest uh, to talk about is gravity. You know, we know what gravity is. Well, we sort of do. We know gravity exists. Let's put it that way. We may not be able to explain gravity or even understand how or why it works, but we are affected by that. And if some person says, well, I don't believe in gravity. Well, you can climb to the top of the highest building around you and step off and say, I don't believe in gravity all the way down. But gravity is still going to work whether you believe in it or not. 
It's like the law of attraction. The law of attraction is a secondary law to our own vibrations. If we are not getting in the vibration, then we are putting resistance in the field. Or, you know, the question becomes, what message are we putting out there? Uh, and so if we are putting the wrong message out there, if we don't even know what it is we want, you know, then how can we align our frequencies to get what we want when we don't even know? Are we putting a a mixed message out there, you know, and so we're not controlling those things and, and doing that. So this is about uh, these laws that apply. There's also uh, the law of cause and effect. Now, I'm here to tell you that the law of cause and effect, you say, oh, yeah, that, yeah, the law of cause and effect. Well, there is a cause and there is also an effect. You are the cause and you are also going to receive the effect of that. So whatever you're putting out there, uh, it's going to come back to you, you know, so you got to be careful. What kind of message are you putting out there? Are you in control of that message? Are you thinking about the kinds of things that you want to do? And that's where commanding the power of thought comes in learning how to do that. Cause most of us do not know how to do that. We may do it here, there with this situation or that situation, but we ought to, we don't understand the, uh, the physics of that, we don't understand the application of that. And most of us do not think on purpose. You know, we don't think with the purpose in mind. We simply will create by default whatever our brain is doing. And that's what comes back to us. That's how we create our reality. So if you're not getting the reality you want, you need to learn how to train your thinking, train your thoughts, because everything is thought. Thoughts are things. Mm -hmm. Well, and so I have to ask then, how does engaging in this process give a person greater access to more of that mental and emotional stability or, or you know, even the resources to have the thoughts that will serve them? You know, Pam, that's a really great question. I like that one. Uh, because when we look at, and we talked just briefly about coherence, and one of the things I've learned in a lot of the research is that our cells have to be coherent so it can transfer energy and information from one cell to the next. So there are four domains of resilience. There is mental, there's emotional, there's spiritual, and there's physical. Now, the key to this is flexibility. There has to be flexibility in each one of these domains. And at the center of where all of those domains are is coherence. So that's what we, we need to be able to do. So by dealing with the flexibility in each of those domains. Let me give you an example. Let's look at physical. If you go to the gym and uh, you start lifting a 20-pound barbell, then all of a sudden you lift a 50-pound barbell, what happens? Can you do as many reps? Mm -hmm. no. No, no, because you don't have the strength and you don't have the resilience. Yeah. Because you, but the longer you lift that 50-pound barbell, what happens? You get more resilience, and so you have more flexibility. The same thing with emotions. If you learn how to manage your emotions and know what they are, and I'll give you a, an example here. One of the things that I talk about in the book is our point of attraction. So I have a list of emotions there, and so I'll ask you a question here. If a person who is, let's say they're a warrior, that uh, they worry about a lot about things, and so that has a particular vibration to it. Can a person that worries a lot, can they go to excitement or exuberance? Mm 
The yeah, athlete, of yes, you're shaking your head. Yes, they can do that. The problem is they can't sustain it because mm -hmm. most of their thoughts are around, you know, worry, discouragement, confusion. And so what we have found over the years, and science has taught us this, is that those vibrations, the lower, denser frequencies, most people don't go more than five categories in either direction. So if they're at worry, they won't go more than five. Uh, can they go up to excitement? Sure, but they can't sustain it because they're not training their brain or their emotions in how to stay in that vibration. And that's part of what I think high vibration is all about, is learning how to have those high vibrations. But we also have to have the contrast, you know, the yin and the yang. So we have to understand, you know, what we don't want in order to use our free will to choose what we do want. Mm -hmm. And that's the important part of this. Are you choosing the emotions that you want in any given moment? Or what is your point of attraction? The other one is spiritual. And so when we look at spiritual uh, points, the flexibility here is understanding what your values are. You know, what do you subscribe to uh, and how do you live your life? And then the flexibility comes in being able to understand and accept other people's values. Whether you agree with them or not doesn't matter. But are you flexible enough because it is a vibrational thing that's happening for people? you know, in that spiritual realm and to be able to have the fluidity to move, you know, not give up the space of where you're at to totally take on their space. You probably experience this with people, you know, that you get away from them and, and it's like you feel drained and I call them energy vampire. So you're vibrating at a high rate. Somebody with a lower rate comes in and, and all of a sudden you, when you get away from them, you feel drained. You have to have a way of replenishing that rather than depleting that vibration, that emotion. And then, of course, uh, the last one is mental. You know, so as we look at the mental aspect, what is our focus? What is our concentration? What are we tuned into? And if your concentration and your, your uh, uh, thinking is all over the place, you're going to be tuned in to whatever is influencing you at the moment. So is that something you really want to have? You really want to go there? Who do you hang out with? What do you, what kind of television shows do you watch? You know, what kind of books do you read or audio books that you listen to? Are you feeding your brain the things that's going to keep you in a higher vibration so that that's what feels normal? Yeah, absolutely. So Lynn is asking, how can you change it? So how can you change it? Lynn, yeah, that's a really terrific question. I probably hear that on a daily basis from people because once you understand the theory of it and sounds good, then the question becomes, what do I do about this? Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the reasons why I have programs that I work with people. One of the first things that I will do, unless they can come to me and get a brain map like, like Sherry did, uh, is that I have a kit that I can send to people anywhere in the world. So in this kit, we do two things. We measure your cellular function and your cognitive function. And so the first part in the kit, you poke your finger, put a couple of drops of blood on the card, we send it to the lab, and it will show us the relationship of your cellular function. And if you're familiar with any of Bruce Lipton's work, and he talks about the right environment for your cells, 
you know, and, and there's a whole bunch of other things that, that are involved in a lot of that stuff. Uh, for example, when we look at our environment, there are a lot of things that our environment that is creating what we call oxidative stress. And <clears throat> so as we look at that, and if you take an apple and you cut it in half, what happens? It's brown, changes colors. Yeah, it's brown. Yeah. That's oxidation. So when we look at oxidative stress, there are things in our environment that get into our water, the air, the food we eat, and, and uh, uh, begin to affect it. And these are toxic chemicals. So if we go back to 1976 and we look at uh, that time period, there were 67,000 toxic chemicals that were on the market. So the Environmental Protection Agency decided what they were going to do was enact a statute that uh, uh, tested a bunch of these toxic chemicals to see which ones we should stay away from. Well, they only tested a handful and most of them didn't test very well. And so uh, today we have over 80,000 toxic chemicals that are on the market. And one of the studies that I read, it really made me cry. And, I mean, literally cry. And that is they were taking the blood from the umbilical cord of 300 mothers who were having babies. And what they found is as an average of these 300 mothers, that these babies, before they took their very first breath of life, that they had been exposed as an average to as 276 toxic chemicals. Now that's pretty disturbing. Mm -hmm. So if you translate that into as we get older and this oxidative stress, we understand that there are over 200 diseases that are a result of that. And so uh, this is why we have a higher incidence today. And some of the reports that I've read that we see more ADD, more anxiety, more depression, more Alzheimer's disease, you know, and more dementia as a result of degrading the cells and what they're doing. So this relationship between our cells and our environment is one thing, but then it affects how our brain and our, our body function. So uh, if I can offer one more thing that, that, that factors into that, yeah, it has to do with antioxidants and free radicals. We've all heard about that, you know, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. if you eat enough vitamin C and enough vitamin E and get a little bit of vitamin D in there, you should be good. Well, here's the science of that. So you and I cannot eat enough vegetables and fruits in order to deal with that. So a, a one antioxidant will kill one free radical. Here's the science part. Science tells us that at any given moment, we have over 300 septillion, that's 300 with 27 zeros behind it, free radicals running around in our brain and our body. Our body cannot keep up with this one-to-one -one ratio. So we have a way of dealing with that uh, to helping your uh, pathways, what we call the NR1, NR2 pathways, and, and being able to increase that from a one-to-one -one ratio to a million-to-one ratio per second and help our brain and our body function more normally. So it's like taking the static out of the equation here and letting your brain and your body function more normally. Does that make sense? Total sense. And so can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because I know that, um, you know, going back to the earlier parts of the conversation where we we're talking about frequency, 
is that you can cancel out frequencies. Are you canceling out the frequencies of these toxins or how are you counteracting that? Well, that's a really great question, Pam. Uh, I don't really have any evidence. So this is gonna be anecdotal more than anything else based on a theory. So I would say, yes, toxins are going to have a vibration and they're going to affect us not only in our cells, but we can see cellular inflammation. Uh, maybe we're not getting enough omega-3s. In our Western diet, we have way too many omega-6s and not enough omega-3s. And so that balance, as we eat food, it's going to go through the mitochondria in our body, uh, parts of the cells. And what's going to happen with that is it's going to turn it into ATP or the energy. So if you have that energy and that vibration, we talked about depleting and renewing emotions. Is it depleting or renewing? So I would say that yeah, the, uh, the toxins are depleting that energy that we have in our body. If you're renewing those by changing the vibration of what's going on, now you're renewing that energy. So when we are experiencing things like joy, excitement, love, those higher, faster vibrations that are going on, that means that you are now uh, regenerating those vibrations, whereas the others are much lower. And so they're causing you to deplete the energy when we're feeling anger, frustration, overwhelm, mm -hmm. even using lesser uh, frequency or, or, or uh, emotions, you know, of calmness and peace and things like that. It, you're still depleting what's going on. So you need to get into that renewal part where you renew the frequencies and you're living at that higher vibration. Mm -hmm. So there's a justification mm -hmm. for your show. Mm. I love that a lot because it takes me back to the conversation when you were mentioning about heart coherence and using the, the what I would classify as the healing spiritual modalities. And I can use the example of, you know, I had a heart attack right a week after the delivery of twins and in and i was given a diagnosis and the diagnosis could have been scary and i could have been all caught up in fear but instead of going into that i raised the vibration to joy i went into my imagination and used um that part and imagined my blood you know flowing perfectly my heart flowing perfectly so would you say that i was in heart coherence during those times that i was going into that well, exactly. I mean, you're here talking about it. So right. obviously there had to be a shift of energy and information and you became more coherent simply by uh, uh, visualizing what your heart and your brain were doing. And the world is full of situations where people have healed themselves, you know, and we look at self-healing. And that's why we did the study on energy healing. And one of the biggest things that come out of that study was when we have focus when we have an intent of what's going on and we, we keep that focus and that attention and that concentration and begin to visualize what we're doing, then there are graphs in the book that I show what actually happens that it increases the coherence and it increases the energy and the vibration, which increases the effectiveness of what's going on. So I would agree with you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So everybody Thanks, can use that though? Yeah, everybody can heal like this or give us an example of some ways that people can, um, you know, command their thoughts to heal. Yeah, that's a great question, Sherry, because uh, uh, 
first of all, we have to have the awareness. We have to have, and, and I'm going to use a word that is more often used in uh, spiritual realms, and that is faith. You know, do we have the faith that we can act on what it is that we need to do? And that's where the, uh, the universal law comes into effect. And you've heard this many, many times. You know, uh, Wayne Dyer used to say this, uh, you will see it when you believe it, you know, kind of thing. So you have to believe in it first. And you're not going to believe it unless you have faith that that's the way the universal laws work. You know, mm -hmm. so if we have faith that that's how the universe, that's how God works. And we put our faith in that and we start to believe whatever it is. You believe that you were going to get better as mm -hmm. a result of that. And did you get better? Yes. Yeah. And, and so I'm kind of the same way. A lot of people don't know this, but a little over a year ago, I had a stroke. Never saw it coming. And the night before, I was working with some of the VibroVision people. We were having a Zoom just like this when I was talking about it. In the morning, I woke up and I couldn't and open and close my left hand and I couldn't speak. In that moment, I, stark terror just took over. I knew my life would be different, you know, from that point on. And so until I could speak and I kept just mumbling, the things I could say in my head is not what was coming out of my mouth. So I got so that I could speak a little bit better just by practicing and visualizing what it was I wanted to say and try to get my body to do that. So then I was able to call 911. And because I live alone, I, uh, the ambulance came and got me, took me to the hospital. Now, here's the thing about that. So I was in the hospital for about two and a half days where they kind of stabilized things. Then they sent me to a rehab center. And because I was taking this NRF1, NRF2 before that, and then all the time I was there, I was only in the rehab hospital 12 days. So I had to learn to swallow. I had to learn how to talk. I had to learn how to uh, hold a pan. I couldn't type, you know. So all of those things had to come back and be able to uh, use my left hand and the dexterity uh, for that. And it's because the vibration in the cells and the uh, having an intention of where I wanted to go and feeding the cells the right thing and keeping them in the right environment allowed that coherence from cell to cell be able to transmit the information. And so uh, it's hard to convince me that I'm not here today as a result of that process. That's so fascinating. And I think, you know, it speaks to the implications of how we view medicine and the types of medicine that we use. For instance, you know, things like acupuncture have become much more popular over the last, however, you know, several years. And but yet it's been it's been used for thousands of years and no one really understood why it worked. So how do you see what do you see the connection being between what you've learned and some of these modalities and what that means for the future of medicine? Well, yeah, I think that's changing and we're shifting a lot. You go back to, you know, Bruce Lipton's work and, you know, he is uh, really considered the father of epigenetics. And, and so he was also a teacher in the medical schools and he quit teaching because he said, what we're teaching is wrong. That's not what happened. So if you read, you know, the biology of belief, which is a great book and Bruce and I are good friends and have been for years. And so, you know, I've done his brain map and we've had great conversation about that, but that's not what we're talking about here, but it's about 
creating the right environment and understanding. When we look at things like acupuncture and you're going in and you're changing the vibration and the direction, the spin of what's happening in that meridian and, and allowing the body to heal, we're influencing it just like with uh, Reiki and other uh, modalities where we're getting the energy to flow in the body and keep that energy flowing. It's when the energy gets stuck that we begin to have diseases. When we start to have oxidative stress, when things that don't belong there are there, you know. And so this is about you know learning what do I need to do and how do I need to go about this. You know what's off in my system where I can put my focus and attention on what needs to be done, and that that's kind of what we do. And then there's an educational component to that, and that is learning about the universe and how it works and what the laws are and how to do, you know, this mind thinking. You know, uh, I'm a, a real big follower of Ernest Holmes and, you know, his his mind thought and so forth and the things that come out of that in the course of miracles. And, you know, so it, it's really an issue of, you know, are you going to learn those things or are you just going to stay caught up in all the distractions that are taking you away from something that's really important. Mm -hmm. It makes me think too of just conversations you and I've discussed around, you can't bring the dark to the light and you have to bring you, you well, no, is it how you, how is it that it goes? You can't bring the light to the dark. Is it that way or is it the no, opposite? The other way around. Yeah. Uh, you can't coax the dark into lightness, you know? So this is about bringing the light to the dark. Mm -hmm. You know, yes. so when you go to the light switch and the room is dark, you know, it doesn't gradually come on. You know, you flip it on and it brings the light to the darkness. And that's mm -hmm. really what we need to do is get rid of some of these antiquated thinking things. Now, there's a place in our society for allopathic medicine and needs to be done. But we also need to understand what do I need to do? What is it that I need to learn in order to? Uh, be able to manage uh, some of these laws, make the laws work for mm -hmm. you, or are they working against you? Most of us don't know because we just don't know. You know, mm -hmm. we're not trained. We're not organized in that manner. We are not dealing with our thoughts in a more cogent fashion. So we have to train our thoughts, and then we have to be aware. What am I thinking? What am I feeling? And then mm -hmm. change that and know what the process is to change rather than just go with the flow. Mm -hmm. I think that's so powerful because so many people right now, you know, have been dealing with either sickness or maybe loss of some sort. And so they're experiencing that challenge of, you know, trying to deal with those negative emotions or maybe just, you know, even the experience physically. And well, yeah, yeah I, I agree with you, Pam. Uh, and so it's about doing what you need to do, but also uh, using some of your intuition of what to do and paying attention to what it's telling you because most of us are like the rain example we used earlier, you know, oh, should have taken an umbrella, that we're not willing to say, uh, know the difference, the discernment between those uh, intellectual thoughts and our intuitive thoughts. So I was in a movie uh, called PGS, Your Personal Guidance System Intuition. So I'm the neuroscientist that explains how intuition works. So I'm pretty familiar with that. And, and so it's about, are we paying attention to our intuition? Are we developing our tuner so that the frequencies are higher 
you know, in, in uh, if I'm at a lower place, where am I on that scale of attracting your point of attraction? And do I want to get up and stay in that higher vibration, you know, it, which is what your show is all about. You've had, I've watched many of the shows and so many of your guests are people who understand this more than just understand it. They practice this. So mm -hmm. if a person wants to be a high viber, you got to learn where you are and then know where you got to go and how to get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of the things you mentioned that speaks so specifically to that is our point of traction attraction and understanding how to use that in the moment and why do we always hear from every one of these philosophers that have ever come to the planet including jesus he says be present in the moment your power is in the moment yeah and that's very very true sherry that um we can't live in the future and we uh some of us live in the past but really all we have is the moment what we have is the moment a moment that that's a good name maybe we should use that huh yeah and, and uh, uh be able to help people understand from decision to decision to decision what am i doing and how am i going about it that we are living our life on purpose and doing what it is that we need to do because we understand the laws we know which ones to apply and how each law works so that we are using them they were given to us you know, it isn't that God said, well, let me think about it. Let me think if you're worthy of having this law or not. He doesn't say that. It's for everybody all the time. It doesn't matter what your education is, you know, how much money you have, you know, what kind of a person you are. It's there for everybody, you know, anytime, anywhere. The question is, will you partake of it and will you use it because he's given it to us? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And it's so beautiful. I think that's something that people really haven't heard a lot in their lives. It's sort of a new message for a lot of people. And it goes back to, I think, that whole idea of the collective as well. As we do this individually, then we actually help others to do that as well. Is that not yeah, true? Yeah. Oh, absolutely true. You know, as a certified trainer for HeartMath, Every couple of weeks, they get all of the certified trainers, and we get on a Zoom meeting, and we have a little breakout rooms, and we do these different things. But, you know, what I have seen is people I have worked with for years, uh, they have been doing their own thing. You know, like I mentioned, Nassim and uh, uh, Joe Dispenza and other people, we've been doing our own thing, and now we are coming together collectively as a community. And more and more people, like in HeartMath, we talk about what other HeartMath uh, trainers are doing and what they're seeing. And we are seeing this change in this vibration. So I think that's a gift that was given to us by the COVID virus, you know, that we're having to stay home, think about ourselves, what's important to us, you know, relationships with ourselves, with our family, with other people, and, and being able to shift that energy because we are going through this uh, amazing shift of the energy we are moving into a new time period and before we get to the new time period we have to go through the chaos and old systems must break down in order to make room you have to get rid of what you don't want to make room for what you do want. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that speaks so powerfully to me because one of the things that you bring about in the book and that you and I've had discussions on as well is the solfeggio frequencies that you've developed these, I don't even know if you call them meditational frequencies that you built in or tell us a little bit more about those. Yeah, well, uh, I was doing a study back in, uh, when was it, 2014, 2015. And we were looking at the elements of solfeggio frequencies, and many people don't even know what that means. Right. Yeah, but I write about where it comes from and why it is a whole mathematic formula for how they get there uh, of solfeggio frequencies. So in the third century, when we look at the Gregorian monks, the Gregorian monks had chants. And what they realized is the, the chants, the vibration of these chants uh, would uh, cause emotions to come up in people. And we see this today in movies and music and things like that, you know, so they will put these solfeggio frequencies. However, somewhere along the line, they decided to tune musical instruments differently. And so when you look at 528 hertz, for example, that is unconditional love. And it would be normally middle C on a piano. But what happens now is if a musical instrument or a piano, for example, is tuned differently, instead of 528 hertz, you're getting 512 hertz. Now, what does that do? That's a lower vibration, and we know what lower vibrations means. So this is essentially dumbing down our emotions, that we're not feeling unconditional love, we're feeling something less than that. So one of the things that I work with people is uh, using the solfeggio frequencies when they're training the coherence of their brain. Now, I know that's a big mouthful right there, but you'd have to get, uh, maybe another session for another time to understand that. Yeah. But when we were doing the studies, we went to a sound lab and got the actual frequencies to make sure, because if you uh, go to uh, YouTube and look up a solfeggio frequencies, you may not be getting the right frequencies. It may be a lesser frequency. So when I work with somebody, I'm sending them out the real frequency so that that's what their brain and their body is getting attuned to. And so it's the same thing with the heart math device to know with your breathing, with your heart focused breathing, breathing in and breathing out. Same thing happens when I was doing uh, Tai Chi and Qigong, that your breath work is very important. And why is that? When we look at the electromagnetic center around the heart, there are over 4,000 neurites uh, around the heart. Now, a neurite is like a neuron. It can think, it can remember, it can learn, those kinds of things. So that's why the electromagnetic center around the heart is 60 times greater than the electromagnetic center around the brain. So it deals with our autonomic nervous system, how we think and feel. So there's two parts to the autonomic nervous system. One is uh, the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. So when uh, you are feeling anxious, frustrated, overwhelmed, it's sending signals from the heart to the brain that, are, that lack coherence. And so it's ramping up these negative uh, frequencies, if you will. Once we engage the parasympathetic nervous system, it brings it into coherent balance. And so learning what that feels like, you know, with the sophageal frequencies or with the heart math breathing, of what that feels like, then you can go there instantly. So if you're having a, uh, a difficult day or a confrontation with somebody, you can drop right into one of these places 
and you're eyeball to eyeball with somebody else and they don't even know that you're doing this. So uh, I love and, that you bring that up because yeah. it raises it raises this question for me. So we know that the heart actually sends out more information into our body than our brain. So what what is the implication of that on our bodies? Well, yeah, we go right back to the autonomic nervous system, sympathetic and parasympathetic. What are you doing to balance that out? You know, or are you just going through life being angry and frustrated down here in this lower vibration, this lower frequency? You know, well, you can do that, but what does that get you? Uh, you just become more angry, frustrated, and confused. Or you can be in that high vibration of where you want to be, regardless of what the situation is around you. So it's about creating your life by choice rather than by default. Mm. Wow. Very powerful. So we've been talking about vibrational energy and vibrational being in this last hour. So now what? Well, yeah, now, now it really gets down to a choice. I think that's a great question, Sherry. And every person listening to this really ought to be asking the same question. Well, where am I and what am I doing? You know, is it something that I can do something about? Or uh, am I just going to continue creating my life by default rather than being more purposeful in knowing what I want, knowing what I'm going to do, and how I'm going to get there? You know, and making conscious choices, conscious decisions, moment to moment. Mm. Yeah, that's really incredible. And I think, you know, this is something that is relatively new to a lot of people, just this idea that our thoughts can have this kind of impact on our bodies. But then the other way around, too, that our bodies are also transferring the information to our brains and then out to other people. Right. So. If, if say you're a brand new person, you've never heard of any of this before, what's the first thing you would recommend that person do to start to make a shift? Well, I, I would say to do what Sherry and I have, have kind of started uh, doing, and that is creating uh, some programs for people so that they can get engaged and learn what they need to do. They can get the measurements they need and ongoing uh, information, coaching, and teaching about, you know, what these uh, are not only fundamentally, but advanced, you know, it just depends on how far down the rabbit hole you want to go. And we both feel like there's a huge need for this sort of thing. And so uh, I'm, I guess it's okay for me to tell them, Sherry, yeah, that, go ahead. that she and I are putting together this program called Moment to Moment with different tiers, different layers, uh, different levels of coaching so that people can, uh, it's almost like having a, a group mastermind kind of program that allows you to get in at whatever level and advance as you're ready to advance, you know, uh, rather than trying to take a drink of water out of a fire hose, you know, there's a little more control here. So it's mm -hmm. called moment to moment, but it's coming real soon. <laughs> well, and the easy thing is, is that you and I are local. We both live in Arizona. Right. And, and, and the thing that I would like to see people be able to do is to be able to have this, to come here to Arizona and have this brain mapping done like you did with me, because what we were able to discover even about my own self, where I was right. so out of whack in my lower sacral area and how that deals with safety and security 
Yeah, and I think we're going to do not only here in Arizona, but we will have events. And, and I used to do this a lot on uh, Secret Knock, where they would have me come. But because uh, California is not allowing that, we had a Secret Knock online uh, with Greg Reed, who wrote the foreword uh, for my book. But I've known Greg for many years. And so uh, we couldn't do it. We had to do it online. And the next live one is going to be in March, uh, where we'll be doing it at San Diego. But Sherry and I will be doing uh, uh, different cities and different events as uh, travel opens up and allows that. But we'll be doing some here in Arizona where people can come and partake of this stuff, have their chakras measured, their energy fields, their brain maps done, all of the things. And then some study sessions where we can talk about what your unique needs are. And people will be able to do this online with us and talk about how to uh, deal with the, uh, the whole issue you know what are you dealing with what are the things that are getting in your way you know how can we help give you the energy information and tools to help you advance mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i put up on the screen your first volume of your book commanding the power of thought and how everyone can receive that through amazon and yeah, you can also get it on on the website so if you go to okay. the website and there are free gifts and things there, like, you know, uh, you can download very quickly the uh, uh, five keys to commanding the power of thought. You know, uh, if you're not sure you want to get the book, uh, one of the free gifts is you get the whole first chapter for free and you can read that, see if you like it, you know, and then uh, move on from there. Uh, one of the other uh, gifts I think is uh, I wrote a, a little uh, white paper it's about 20 pages long, uh, understanding your brainwaves, to understand what each of the brainwaves are, what they do, and why. Mm, love that. So go ahead and tell our audience for our podcast, go ahead and repeat your website for us. Right. It's thoughtgenius.com. Uh, anybody can go there, get the information. So we're going to have a whole section on moment to moment that is different. You, know, you can see about brain training. There's videos. There's... Uh, you know, free gifts, there's all kinds of things. You can uh, find out how to get engaged with us on moment to moment. And uh, you can look on Facebook, you can find me there. It's Jeffrey.Fannin, F-A-N-N-I-N dot nine. And that's my Facebook. Uh, so I have, you know, Facebook and Twitter. You can engage social media on Instagram. You can find me as Dr. Dr. Uh, period, uh, brain underscore fitness, Dr. Brain Fitness, or you can just look for Jeff Bannon and you'll find me there. And uh, then we also have Twitter, which is Thought Genius TM. Uh, and uh, so I look forward to not only passing a lot of this information to you. Oh, we forgot the LinkedIn one. LinkedIn <laughs> is uh, Dr. Bannon PhD uh, on LinkedIn. But uh, we want to help people get the information and not just the information, I mean, it's great to have information, but I think it's more important to know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. And so that's what Moment to Moment is all about. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Fannin. We've really appreciated you sharing this with all of our audience members. And thank you, all of our audience members, for your ongoing support, as always. The show is just getting bigger and bigger, and higher and higher vibrations are spilling out all over the place. So. Pamela and I are grateful for every single one of you and, and, and what you bring and thank you for sharing it out. 
Pam, why don't you go ahead and share with our audience how to find us? Well, you can find us on the web, of course, at thehighvibenation.com, also on Facebook at The High Vibe Nation, and of course on Instagram at The High Vibe Nation. Awesome. Well, thank you all once again, and we will see you on Wednesday night. We are available on Monday nights at 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time on The High Vibe Nation, and we are available on Wednesdays at 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time on The High Vibe Nation. Until then, have an amazing next couple of days. Bye-bye now. Bye. From everybody here at The High Vibe Nation, we want to say thank you for choosing to raise your vibration. And of course, please like, share, and subscribe. If you need to find us on the web, check us out at www.thehighvibenation.com. Looking forward to seeing you on the next episode, and keep high vibing.